Well, welcome everyone. So glad you could join in with us today as we continue this journey of soul revolution. And of course, the question that comes to mind this week is, have you ever seen anything like this? Have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, when we say that, usually it's, it's like some natural catastrophe, a flood, a, a tornado, something, you know, in the sky. So have you ever seen anything like this? Some weird animal thing, some obscure YouTube video. Have you ever seen anything like this? But as we look at the Gospel of Mark, we find some pretty crazy stories here. In fact, some people have even suggested that they are fictional and mythological because they don't want to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. But Mark, who was an eyewitness and who knew Peter, an eyewitness, writes this gospel to us and says, let me introduce you to Jesus and let me show you the things he did and the things he taught. And, and you'll see something unique about Jesus that you never realized was there, that Jesus came to bring soul revolution to your life and to this world. And this story in Mark chapter 2 is no different. It brings us face to face with this reality. And we will find ourselves asking the question, have you ever seen anything like this? Well, look what Mark has to say. I mean, Mark is, again, first century eyewitness. He's recording what Peter probably told him. And so this is validated by eyewitnesses. And they're saying, this, this is what happened in Capernaum with Jesus, Mark chapter 2. It says in verse 1 of Mark chapter 2, now, after some days when he returned to Capernaum, the news spread that he was at home. So many gathered that there was no longer any room, not even by the door, and he preached the word to them. Now, what had happened in the last incident is he healed this, this leper, and he told the leper not to tell anyone. The leper told everyone. The large crowd followed him, kind of pushed Jesus out of the populated areas into the wilderness. But evidently, time has passed. Jesus has now crept back into the city. But people hear that Jesus is there, and they come to the house to hear, and Jesus is doing what he came to do. He's preaching the word to them. That's what he told us he came to do. That's what Mark 1.15 says. His, this was his message. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. And here's Jesus doing this. I've got a picture of a house in the ancient Near East. This was just a, a, a depiction of the house. Uh, you can see it's small. There's one little door there. There's a flat roof. And so you can imagine this house packed full of people. People looking through the doorway. People looking through the window. Crowd around. And, and there Jesus is teaching the gospel of God, the message of the kingdom, you know, and, and the good news, and this is what he came to do. And this is where we find ourselves as we move now into verse 3. It says, Some people came bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. So you can imagine four guys carrying this stretcher. Paralytic is a generic term in the Greek describing basically someone who couldn't walk. Uh, some have translated it as a cripple, a lame man. Uh, not paraplegic or quadriplegic like we would know maybe as a paralytic, but, but someone who has lost the capacity for mobility. And there they are on this stretcher, carried by these friends, seeking to come to Jesus because they've heard what Jesus can do. The stories are out there. He's dealt with unclean spirits. He's cleansed the fever He's healed other people and cast out other unclean spirits. And he's also even cleansed a leper. And so these guys, with their friend, come looking for the help of Jesus for their friend. But there is a problem. Because it says in verse 4, When they were not 
able to bring him in because of the crowd. That is, they get to the door, you know, they can't see it. The stretcher is too big. The crowd is too tight. This is the ancient Near East. This is a different culture. They have no personal space. They all just want to hear Jesus. They're crammed in there. This stretcher will not get through. There's no way they could, you know, people are not making way for them. What do we do? And it says there in verse 4, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above Jesus. Then after tearing it out, they lowered the stretcher. The paralytic was lying on. And I have a couple pictures of this, just, you know, just so you can kind of visualize it for, for you know. And, and it, you know, here it is. You can see the sun is coming through. This man is being dropped down. And, and there they are. And, and everyone's kind of like, well, you know, kind of making room, finding room, because this, this stretcher is coming through the ceiling. And, and this, you, can, you can just imagine you're in there. Jesus is talking about the gospel of God. And then all of a sudden, you, you start hearing this noise of, of branches being pulled back off the roof. Now, these type of roofs were replaced every year. The branches would dry out. They, they would you know, need to be replaced. And so it wasn't uncommon for a roof to be dethatched, removed. And so you'd take the, the branches off. You'd move the supporting branch, you know, the sticks. And then you'd have an, an open area. So they create this open space. And they drop their friend down right at the feet of Jesus. Oh, let's come back to the text here. You can imagine sitting there if you were in the house, lucky enough to be close enough to Jesus to catch the, the front row of his sermon. And suddenly you hear the noise above you, scratching and scuffling on the roof. And suddenly, you know, things begin to fall down on top of you as they pull things apart. Dried leaves, dried mud, dried mortar. And then suddenly this bright sun starts to shine in in the dark house. And you're all, all your eyes are kind of blinded in that moment. And, and, and then the, the hole gets bigger, bigger, bigger. And all of a sudden, boom, the, the hole's filled as this stretcher is dropped down. Everyone is squished to the walls as the stretcher falls down. And there's Jesus looking at a man in a stretcher. Crazy. I've never seen anything like this, I'm sure, was the refrain in Capernaum on that day. You know, the crowd in the Gospel of Mark is not presented in a positive way. More often, and most often, in Mark, the crowd is actually an obstacle to Jesus. And often that's the case today, too, where the crowd prevents people from coming to Jesus or experiencing his healing touch. But these guys aren't dissuaded by the obstacles in their way. They find a way to get to Jesus. We'll come back to that in a moment. But, but you know, some people would have given up. Oh, wow, we just can't get through today. Sorry, buds, you know. But they're like, no, there has to be a way. Like, oh, yeah, there's the stairs. Let's go up there and, you know, scraping away, drop him down. And now it is the moment of decision. What's going to happen? Clearly, we're all expecting something to happen. I think we're all expecting the same thing to happen, just as the onlookers are expecting the same thing we're expecting. And it says in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> like, what? Like, does that not surprise you? I mean, I'm, I'm expecting Jesus to touch the guy, him to get up and do a little dance. Everyone gather around, hold hands and sing and dance and celebrate Jesus' healing power. And Jesus simply looks at the guy, speaks to him a word of forgiveness. It catches everyone by surprise. I've never seen anything like this. 
You see, we tend to look and evaluate life purely from the outside and not from the inside. And what this story tells us is Jesus looks at our lives from the inside and not just from the outside. And he's evaluating this story and what's going on here, looking at the hearts of people, not looking at the external issues and problems. And for some reason, we just love to get stuck up on the outside stuff. But Jesus is like, I see something different here. You know, we see the deterioration of physical mobility. But Jesus sees the corrosion of spiritual malignancy. You know, we see the atrophy of the appendages. And he sees the the sarcoma of the soul. I mean, this is what's going on here. There's a totally different perspective. We see just a cripple there you know, with a handicap sign over top of his, of his thing. But Jesus says, no, there's a deeper, more penetrating issue to this man's condition. We would call for a kinesiologist. And Jesus says, no, no, there, we need a cardiologist. <laughs> there is something going on in his soul. His soul is crippled, not just his legs. And that is what's bogging him down more than his physical immobility. It's his spiritual depravity that's dragging him down. And his friends and him go through such great lengths to get to Jesus. And Jesus is the only one in the room that knows what he really, really needs. Forgiveness. The release of the obligation for his sins. A pardon for all of his transgressions. A payment for the the iniquities that had laid down on his sin debt. And and, and Jesus says, you're forgiven. And and notice, he says it in, in such a kind and gentle and loving and familial way. Son, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't ask him to list those sins or to stand, you know, make public confession of those sins or to show contrition or repentance by te- crying for him. He just gives it. There you go. Your sins are forgiven. And everyone is shocked. Because what would seem to be the greater issue to all of us looking at this, reading it, watching it, is this guy is a cripple. But Jesus says, no, no, there's a crippling of the soul that I want to heal in this man's life first. What does he really need? He needs forgiveness. And that's what Jesus offers him. And it stands there. Now, the paralytic never speaks in this story. He just receives the action of Jesus. And other people speak. Other people think. Other people are are interacting in the story. But the paralytic is is kind of just a recipient of God's grace. And here he gets it where, where, where no one else expects it. He gets it. Your sins are forgiven. But then we find there's some guys in the room that are a little surprised by this. See in verse six. Now some of the experts in the law or scribes would be another way of saying that were sitting there turning these things over in their minds. Why does this man speak this way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? I mean, they're sitting there and they've watched this and, and they're like, okay, fine. Like, you know, whatever's going on here, but, but how dare we claim that authority? I mean, they were right. Because according to the word of God, and they were strict students of this, they were careful and, and, and 
just precise in the way that they sought to discover God's truth and interpret it appropriately. And they're saying, in this case, there's something seriously wrong here. Because no mere man can claim that type of authority. Who does he think he is? And interesting, verse 7, it says, why does this man, this man, why does that guy? You know, they don't even give Jesus the, the courtesy of saying, why does Jesus think he can do this? Like, why does this guy, what does that guy think he's doing? And what is even more remarkable is in verse 8. Now, immediately, one of Mark's favorite words, immediately, when Jesus realized in his spirit that they were contemplating such thoughts, he said to them, why are you thinking such things in your hearts? I mean, I mean, it's crazy enough that this guy has just, you know, been dropped down. Jesus forgives his sins. These guys are thinking these thoughts, uh, similar thoughts to the rest of us. I mean, we're, I'm not thinking, who does he think he is? I'm thinking, why did you do that instead of just healing him? But, but we'll get to there in a moment because he's got some more things he wants to teach us in this passage. But what's even more remarkable is that Jesus knows exactly what they're thinking. No one said anything. The room is quiet. And yet, it's like Jesus hears them screaming from their hearts, their indignation and their skepticism. And he calls them on it. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. Someone who can read minds and hearts. That in itself is an amazing feature of the story. And actually should put all of us <laughs> on the edge of our seats and a little trickle of fear down our backs to think, God, Jesus knows all of my thoughts? Absolutely. And in that room, he's fully aware of what these religious leaders, these scribes are thinking in that moment. Why are you thinking such things in his hearts? And so he challenges them in verse 9. Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, stand up, take your stretcher, and walk. Which is easier? I mean, it's easier for me to offer him forgiveness because there's no way for you to know what's going on in his heart and his soul. It's much harder for me. I mean, he's, he's presenting the case here. It's way harder for me to tell him to get up and, and leave the home and take his stretcher. I mean, that is the more difficult miracle, but, but the harder thing is to forgive sins. The more difficult thing is to forgive sins. And, and he says there in verse 10, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, stand up, take your stretcher, and go home. He's like, just so you know that I, the Son of Man, and this is a reference from Daniel in the Old Testament, a reference to this messianic figure, an obscure reference, a reference that most modern-day Jews in the, in the first century wouldn't have used to describe the Messiah. The Messiah would be the King of Israel, the Anointed One, the powerful Deliverer, the Savior. And he uses this obscure reference. Why? Because it doesn't have political or militaristic overtones. But it does have messianic implications. Just so you know, the Son of Man, and he'll bring this up again. And, and you know, Son of Man did not you know, come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, which is, of course, one of the theme verses of Mark, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And he begins, you know, just so you know that the Son of Man, obviously self-reference, has the authority to do this 
He says, all right, man, get up. <laughs> Take your stretcher and go home. Just so you know. Where I get my authorization from. Just so you know that I have the full prerogatives of the Godhead itself to, to offer this man forgiveness, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell this guy, get up, grab your stretcher, and go home. And it says in verse 12, and immediately the man stood up, took his stretcher, and went out in front of them all. They were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. You're questioning my authority. You're questioning where I would, I would derive such authentication in order to, 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 to offer this man what I offered him when he came through the roof. Well, let me show you where I got that from. Now get up, grab that stretcher, go home. And he gets up and he rolls up that stretcher puts it on his shoulders, and he walks out of that house. Everyone's jaws just dropped. <laughs> Have you ever seen anything like that? Amazing. And so I ask you, what is the greater miracle? Was it the fact that this man gets up, rolls up his stretcher, and walks out? Or was it the fact that before that even happened, his heart was leaping for joy to discover that God had accepted him and removed his sin from him and that he was right in relationship with God. Before he gets up and rolls a stretcher and walks out, his heart and soul are doing cartwheels. Why? Because he's okay with God. God's made that right. God's affirmed that he's okay. I mean, maybe as a paralytic, he worried about, well, if I die, what happens? Will I actually go to be with God? Am I okay? I've got these sins, and, and, and am I forgiven? I don't know if I'm forgiven. And as a paralytic, he couldn't go into the tabernacle or temple and offer sacrifices because he was a cripple. And, and so he's like, I've got this sin thing. I can't deal with my sin thing personally because I'm a cripple. I'm allowed in the temple. And, and what, how do I know if I'm okay with God? And he meets Jesus, and Jesus says, you are okay with me. Heart cartwheeling away. He's still crippled, but his heart is just like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm free, I'm free. Have you ever seen anything like that? Or as it says in the Net Bible, we've never seen anything like this. I mean, the question though we need to ask is what, what are they talking about? Is it the fact that they never saw friends so devoted and committed to their friend and to getting their friends to Jesus that they would not let anything stand in the way of that happening? I've never seen anything like that. What obstacles do you stop at in helping bring your friends to Jesus? Oh, I, I don't have the time. Oh, they're going to be too busy. I might get mocked out for that. I mean, I mean, you could name them, list them for me. But these four friends are not going to take no for an answer. <laughs> they'll crawl up on the roof. They'll scrape away. They'll drop them down. Sure, there, there's some social embarrassment in that of some sort, but they don't care because Jesus is in there and they're going to get their friend to Jesus no matter what. He's probably like, guys, you've got to get me in there. I've I got to see him. I need to see Jesus. We've never seen anything like this. 
Or could it be that they just never seen someone, a rabbi, offer forgiveness to someone? No doubt, they've seen a lot of rabbis teaching a lot of words, quoting a lot of things. Jesus teaches with amazing authority in the synagogue. It says in Mark chapter 1, but like, wow, this is the first time we've seen a, a rabbi, a person, offer forgiveness. Now, the scribes were right. Only God had the prerogative to forgive sin. Even the Jewish messianic understanding, they didn't even believe the Messiah had that authority. But Jesus is sitting there and he's offering forgiveness. And they're like, I've never seen a teacher, an earthly teacher do that before. And of course, the question is, 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 is Jesus claiming to be God here? Is he claiming to have that same authority on earth as God does in heaven? Clearly he is. And he validates that authority. That could be the other thing. I've never seen like that. A guy that actually validates his words with his actions. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, you're forgiven. And, and we don't know what's going on inside the man's soul. Is he really forgiven or not? Well, we could, we could be left guessing and who knows. But he's like, just so you know that this happened, me and him, we had this, you know, God, we, we've forgiven him. He's going to get up. He's going to pick up his thing. He's going to walk out of here and go home. And you're going to see this man is a changed man. Not because of the physical change, but because of the soul transformation, the soul revolution. He has discovered the forgiveness of his sins. Or could it be that they've just never seen a miracle like this? Wow, just never seen a guy that got up and just like that. I mean, those legs hadn't worked. They were skinny little chicken legs. I mean, who knows if those tendons hadn't dried up in there and atrophied, and suddenly he's getting up, and it's like he's got quads and hamstrings and calves at work, and he's walking out like, like he was just walked in there. He didn't walk in there. He was lowered in there. Those things weren't moving, weren't working, weren't functioning, and all of a sudden, there they are. I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen a man stand up to the scribes like that before. Never seen anything like that. But Mark wants you to see that the amazement of the story is the forgiveness that Jesus can bring into your life. That's the amazement. He can fix, and, and he does help and guide us through our physical challenges and limitations in life, but his greatest concern is our spiritual well-being. And Jesus hits him right where he needs it, first and foremost, and that's where he wants to hit you and me, in the area of the inner transformation. And that starts with discovering that we are forgiven in Christ. I found this story, I found it a while ago. A man named Tokichi Ishii, notorious criminal, a horrendous man. He had murdered and women, children, men, had just a rap sheet and a notoriety for his brutality and his absolute disregard for human life. There he was sitting in prison. He was just like a caged animal waiting the gallows. He, was, he had been condemned to the death penalty and he just was there and just, you could just feel the, the anger, the, the resentment in his soul and the evil that, that he just penetrated every part of his life. These two Canadian missionaries come to his prison and, and they're trying to talk to him about Jesus. Nothing, 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 nothing. So they said, you know what? We have this Bible here. Here, you know what? You should read it. And they, they left this Bible for him. 
They left feeling like, no doubt, they'd failed. Had not really able to get through to this guy. And he would die in a, just a horrific death before his own sins. And, and, you know, and, and that, you know, that would lead to worse things for his eternal reality. But he, after a while, picked up that Bible and began to read it. And once he started, he couldn't stop. Tokichi Ishii began to just read and read and read and read and consume the scriptures. He said he read till he came to the story of the crucifixion. And he came to the words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And these words broke him. And these are his words. I stopped, he said. I was stabbed to the heart as if pierced by a five-inch nail. Shall I call it the love of Christ? Shall I call it his compassion? I do not know what to call it. I only know that I believed and my hardness of heart was changed. They said later when he was taken to the scaffold, he was no longer the hardened and surly brute that he had once been, but was a smiling, radiant man. The murderer had been born again. Christ had brought Tokichi Oshishi to life. This is the kind of stories that Jesus brings to people's lives. The, I've never seen anything like that. Clearly, I've never seen it like this, but this is the power of the love of God and the forgiveness of Christ to each and every one of us. That even the hardened criminal condemned to death for his horrific crimes against humanity, is able to discover the grace and forgiveness of Christ. Amazing. Even Christ, as he died, criminal beside him is, discovers that grace too. I mean, this is remarkable. Undeserved, 100%, but offered freely. This man is lowered down, and Jesus simply says to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. Sometimes you and I want to work our sins off. <laughs> we want to pay God back for what we've done. We, want to, we think we somehow have to, to do things to, to earn it back or to, to, to you know, reverse the curse kind of thing, and, and that's not the way it works. Forgiveness is a one-way transaction. God simply gives it. And we simply receive it. And each and every one of us has this paralysis of the soul that it's only freed when we discover the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And even a hardened criminal could go to the scaffold with a smile on his face because he knows he's okay with God. And he's walking like this man is walking out, out to his home. He's walking, but he's like, I know where I will ultimately end up, in my home, my heavenly home, because of what Jesus did on the cross. He died, rose again, and the new life, new possibilities, the possibility of soul revolution exists for you for me. I love talking about this. I just can't stop. That's why we exist as a church. It's to help people come to know Jesus Christ. We want to see as many people as possible in our city hear and respond to this truth that Jesus Christ can set you free. He can forgive your sins. He can give you a new identity, a new purpose, and hope. And we want to remove every barrier for, for anyone to come to know Jesus. You know, this summer, we, this last summer, we, we had the outdoor services on Wednesday nights, which 
It was a crazy idea. No, you know, and, and although it's not crazy, because New Life did this 20 years ago, but we, you know, because of COVID and other things, we decided, let's, let's give this a shot, you know. And, and some of our church people didn't like it. Ah, we church should be on Sunday, not Wednesday. And, 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 you know, you might have a point there, but we were like, you know, this is what works for our team. This is what works for our, our community. It just, you know, we, we decided, let's, we got to try different things. And, you know, people came that wouldn't have showed up on Sunday morning. And since then, this fall and even in the last couple of weeks, I keep hearing stories of people who are like, oh, New Life, is that the church that had those outdoor services? I mean, we got the attention of the community. People that don't go to church kind of knew there was something going on here. And what we were doing here was presenting the difference that Jesus makes all summer. And that's why we exist. I mean, Pastor Frank has been talking about, hey, maybe we should get a food truck and take it to different events in our city and give food out in the name of Jesus and just sort of love on people that way and and it's a great idea. I mean, we haven't flushed it all out, but I know he shared it with, with the Ephesians study on Sunday morning and maybe a few of you, other of you have talked to him about it. But, but, but what we're trying to do is, is just think outside the box. What are ways that we can bring people to Jesus? What, can, what obstacles need to be removed so that we can get a, 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 present this wonderful truth to as many and to everyone in this community as possible? I mean, that's why we exist. So thankful for this team and this family of people here at New Life as we do this together. I mean, it's always a team effort. And it reflects the heart of Jesus here in Mark chapter 2. And of course, the question is for believers, what are we willing to do to help people come to Jesus? You know, some of you, it might mean you need to spend some money, fill your fridge up, and have people in your home when you're allowed to, right? If you have teenagers, let them have their friends over and just stock up and shell out and, and just, you know, provide that loving home for, for kids to experience Jesus. I mean, who knows? I don't know what it looks like for each and every one, but, but you know, let, let's do the effort to bring people to Jesus. And let's be thankful for that forgiveness. It came at a significant cost to Jesus, his own life. But we enjoy that forgiveness every day. Don't ever take it for granted. You are a child of the king because the king loved you so much he died on the cross and rose again. And so live for him. I mean, why, why would you live for anyone else? I mean, look what he did for you. Listen to him, obey, and just bask in that forgiveness. And understand, as we look at people, we see a lot of physical issues, a lot of physical barriers, challenges financially or otherwise, but the deeper issues of everyone is a soul issue. And only Jesus can fix that problem. And sometimes we know we focus on feeding, you know, the, the hungry, and which we should, clothing the naked. Yes, we should, and we, we should do all, you know, have medical facilities, but at the end of the day, our primary focus needs to be the soul healing that only Jesus can provide. And so we have missionary hospitals so that we can help people get well, but also find the great physician. We do soup kitchens, so now we can feed stomachs, but we can also help those people find the feeding of their soul from Jesus Christ. All these things that we do externally need to bring us back to the internal focus. We have a youth group which has a lot of great fun, and they do, but ultimately we want all those youths to come to know Jesus. And as a church, we'll do different events, but ultimately the core is, do you know Jesus? We're moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. And so that brings us to the end of this sermon. I mean, Mark chapter 2, what, what, what a great story. 
Next week, Pastor Frank's going to take us into the next section. But, you know, we've begun the Lenten series, season here. I mean, we're, we're now walking down to Easter, and, and this gospel mark is a great way to, to guide our souls towards this wonderful truth. If you want to download the study guide and kind of study along with some others, this is a great way. But I just encourage you to, to just journey with Jesus as we move towards Easter. And is there someone you can bring along that journey, even this week? Let's begin praying specifically for people by name and looking for opportunities to help people discover Jesus. Would you pray with me? We thank you, Lord, for this text, this story of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to forgive sins and to make us whole. Thank you that you've done this in our lives. Thank you that you want to do this in the lives of all of our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our schoolmates. And so, Lord, give us opportunities and help us to not see the obstacles, but to see them as opportunities to bring others to Jesus. Guide new life in this, I pray. And Lord, if there's anyone watching this video that doesn't know you as their Savior, that today they would embrace Christ as their Savior, surrender and believe in him, and find the healing in their soul that you alone can bring. And so we thank you for this text. Lord, use your people here at New Life and the people, believers across the city, to help people come and experience Jesus, even this Easter season. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Glad you could join us. Those of you locally, those of you watching from afar, uh, continue to move up and out a new life in Jesus Christ. Encourage each other. It's family day uh, tomorrow, so you know, reach out to someone and, and tell your family you love them and tell your church family you love them. But let's just keep moving up and out and, 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 and supporting each other and seeking to see that soul revolution in our lives and in the lives of others. God bless you. Have a great week.